Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show, our Sunday big football show where me, the legendary box, hey man, me, and uh, the legendary boxing writer himself, Hall of Famer Jack Hirsch, and the NFL legend Dallas Cowboy, two-time Super Bowl champion, Jim Jeffco, who will be with us momentarily, bringing all of Sunday's games, previews of some of the locals here in the Northeast as well, the Patriots preview, well, the Jets preview. We'll also have the Philly preview, the Eagles preview coming up in the show. We'll also be talking to Robert Butler, one of our famous, uh, famous, I should say favorite, I guess you could call him a little famous, our favorite uh, sports analyst will come on with us too as we break down a lot of the stories in the NFL. We're on early. We're going to get to get you through today's uh, games as we break down every game and give you all the updates we can. Good morning, Jack. Good morning, everyone. Hey, good morning, Mac. It was a late night for me last night. I was at the Hard Rock Casino to catch the Louis Ortiz, Charles Martin show at the at the Hard Rock Casino and uh, thrilling fight. You know, going from boxing to football, a lot of hitting. Put it that way. A lot of hitting. There's a lot of hitting going on. <laughs> You know, Jack, and a lot of times in the beginning, because college football, of course, is a big part of football, right? It's one of the, I think it's the second highest rated sports next to the NFL. Last time I checked, anyway, it was. And believe it or not, folks, we already got in our, our legendary Dallas Cowboy defensive end, Jim Jeffco, to join the show as he pops in with us early. How you doing, Jim? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Got my Give me a quick start. I thought he was offside for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh it's the new year, so I'm starting a new year. I'm trying to get here as close to work out a little bit earlier and uh get here as soon You're as You're sad because it's playoff time. You're used to being in playoff games. Yes. Well, well, <laughs> in the eighties it was tough. The uh, late eighties. Early nineties, yes, but late eighties. So it was tough. So, Jim, I want to get you – I mean, we've talked – me and Jack have talked about it kind of sort of. We didn't get specific. But we cover college, too. As I was saying, college football is probably the second highest rating sport next to the NFL last time I checked anyway. And, of course, we had the playoffs at the bowls, or the, you know, the playoffs between Georgia and, you know, Georgia and uh, um, Michigan and, of course, between Alabama and Cincinnati. And I've been saying all along, there was no way those two teams would beat Georgia yeah. or Alabama. Um, I mean, this is not a put down to Cincinnati and Michigan. They had great years. Both of them had great years. They should be proud of their programs. But I think that there's only really two programs that can compete with the SEC. And I don't care what team it is. And that's Ohio State and Clemson. It takes them a few years to build up to that, right? They kind of they kind of step back for a couple of years. By year three or so, they do a little mini run and they compete with these guys. So what I, what I want to get from both of you here is, is there any team that you can think of? I mean, every team that's gone up against SEC uh, in the championship normally comes on the short end, and they normally get dominated. Uh, they normally get the wills imposed on them. Their programs are just way too big for these other schools. And with the SEC growing, you know, they got two more teams coming in. They've got, you know, they'll probably have more coming. I wouldn't be surprised to see Ohio State and Clemson join the SEC pretty soon. I mean, it's going to be almost a league of its own. But is there any team out there that you think that, that could have a shot anywhere in the country to play SEC champion uh, uh, near the top and beat them, say, 50 out of 100 times? 
um, thinking about this, I think you're right with Ohio State. But Michigan, if Harbaugh stays, now he's starting to build a program. And people say, well, Michigan. But Michigan is not that far away. And then, obviously, Ohio State. But I'll tell you a team that they didn't win yesterday, but they can get anybody they want is Notre Dame. As long as they can get them in the school, Notre Dame has a chance because they're just like it's, they're a league of their own. And that's the, the thing is uh, you got to look at. And it's going to be tough because the SEC, obviously, a lot of the kids down the south uh, are big. <laughs> and you saw the, and that was the big thing they were talking about, Alabama against Cincinnati, the size difference within the offense and defensive lines. And I think that's where the SEC has the advantage in their linebackers. I mean, did you see those linebackers run for Alabama? Yeah. Same with Georgia. And I think the big thing about the SEC, they still play defense. That's the biggest difference. You talk about the offensive people on there, but it's their defenses that are different. They're the difference makers. Jim, I'll tell you what I'm leading up to, but just answer this question first. When you were graduating high school, did you have eyes on the NFL? No. But if you did have eyes on the NFL, you wouldn't have gone to Arizona State, I don't think. You would have looked at Alabama, would have sat down with you and showed you all the players who went to the NFL, who've been drafted. And that's where I think the elite high school players go. And I think that answers Matt's Matt's question. Well, I I understand what you're saying, Jack. But at that time, when I was coming out, the Pac-12 was the big conference. They had more NFL number one draft picks than any other conference at that time. The SEC gradually came along, but the Pac-12 was big. I mean, anywhere in the Pac-12. We were the number one defense in the country my uh, last year in college. I mean, we had some players. You got to look at all the players that from the Pac-12, the Marcus Allens, the John Elways. I mean, you can look at any position and you can name players. Bruce Matthews. I mean, it, it was a dominant conference at that time. Yeah, and, and, and you know, that's just like Notre Dame being independent was maybe the top three teams of all time for a while there. But that's changed, right? Because football has changed as the way it's covered, right? Notre Dame had its own channel, you know. The, the, the Notre Dame Broadcasting Company, NBC, carried them all the time. And no, you didn't see the other college teams that much unless it was a big rivalry. That's different today. I mean, everybody yeah. can watch almost any game. Uh you know, Tim Mark's mad that ESPN is the one that's playing all these games, uh, you know, broadcasting all these games, not the other networks, but that's another story. But what I'm saying is I think, and you might think I'm wrong here, but I think almost any good SEC team could have beat either one of those two t- teams yesterday. I think Arkansas could have beat them. I think Auburn might have been able to beat them. I think LSU might have been able to beat them. I think, sure thing, Mississippi could have beat them. And maybe even Florida. See, and I just Go ahead, go ahead. And the reason I was saying it, I'm sorry to cut you off, Jack, but the reason I'm saying it is the SEC, before that, those two games were like 0-5, 0-6 in uh, the games. Kentucky won, obviously, but they were really down. So that shows you they're fat at the top, but they're not. They're just average teams in the middle. And that's what happened is um, – you know, I don't, I don't, I disagree with that. I think those were good teams. They played hard. I mean, it's hard. Nobody in the SEC can beat the Alabamas and Georgias. And uh, Texas A&M has figured it out. 
other than other teams, but it's real difficult to beat those teams. You know, I, I also think, and 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 maybe you disagree with this too. I also think it all comes down to recruiting, Jim. They can re- yes. they can recruit top four star athletes for the second stringers. So any team going up against going against these guys, I mean, they just promise, hey, you're going to come to Alabama, you got to shut the start. They get the cream of the crop when they start recruiting uh, Alabamas or Georgias, and even you know you you say I'll give you a good example, right? The great example, LSU. Just, you know, Jim Kelly went to LSU. Soon as Cincinnati lost, what did they do? They signed the offensive coordinator for Cincinnati. That's what happens. So everybody, not only do players want to go there, but as you see, coaches want to go there too. And right now, I mean, it's a cycle. Everything is a cycle. I know that eventually this will this will change a little bit. But right now, the SEC almost calls it shots, Jim. I would agree. You, you're right. But here's the thing with recruiting is that what's happening now is with the transfer rules and things, they used to could stack those four and five stars. They're not being able because the running back for Cincinnati was an Alabama transfer. And you look all around, uh, these transfers are changing the landscape of it. And that's why I think the SEC is going to suffer because you can't stack guys anymore because if they're not playing, they're going to look for, another place to get an opportunity to play. And just like Pickle said, you had teams that were two and three deep at most positions, but now it's changing. Fellas, it's changing. The college football is becoming e-business. Well, let me bring up the coach. Guys, I think the coach plays a big part part in it. If it's a Woody Hayes at Ohio State or Bo Schembechler at Michigan, you know they're going to be there their whole career. So players, you know, recruits are more likely to go there because they know they have that stability in the program. I think the musical chairs with some of the coaches do affect, you know, the re- recruiting process. Well, let's let's bring up Keith and Adam. He he's, he covers college football like no one else. And plus, we want to get his Patriots preview in. So let's bring up Keith Angle from TGI Sports. Keith, you were down. You were down below. You heard what we were talking about. I, did. I don't want to. Talk, I don't want to tell you. I, I told you so because that's not right. Um, Cincinnati. Had well, let me just start for you. So you get out of me. Happy New Year. Happy, <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> I mean, listen. I've watched NFL games, right? And some playoff teams games, the teams get blown out by the other team, and you know that would happen every time, right? I mean, yeah. you know that that some teams in the NFL for that one day, you know, they play bad, the other team plays great, and they get beat whatever, 33 to 7 or something crazy. So it even happens in the NFL. But I think if you lined up Cincinnati against Alabama 100 times, Alabama would probably win 98 of them. And if you lined up Michigan 100 times against Georgia, Georgia would probably win it 95 to 98 times that they played. So it's not it's not the same as the NFL because that wouldn't happen in the NFL. It's not going to be that high of a percentage. So the advantages to me right now, and we'll get to the Patriots right after this. The advantages right now in in college football go to SEC, and there's only two two programs that can build and get and play them and beat them, but it takes a little time, and that's Ohio State and Clemson. Well, Georgia could beat them if they uh, actually played a smart game against them once, but um, I don't disagree. I mean, look at as far as how representative uh, Cincinnati was on. Uh, Saturday, or what day was it? Friday. Um, 
look at they didn't play any worse than anybody else plays in the semifinals. They played better than Michigan played against theoretically a worse team than Alabama. Uh, I don't know about and right. and and look at it. You know the, the the final score was not necessarily indicative of they they had some chances there. If they if they got aggressive on fourth down a couple of times in the first half, I think. And, and converted, that could have been a different game. So they, you can't tell me they can't play with them. Will they beat them the majority of the time? Is you're saying Alabama would beat them? Never. They'll win more than a couple of games and out of a hundred, though. Keith, Keith, Alabama just took the ball and ran it on them like like they were nothing. Honestly, I mean they didn't even have to throw the ball against them if they didn't want to. I'm not taking nothing against Cincinnati. I'm not. They had a good season. Alabama dominated Cincinnati. Let's not say what ifs and all that stuff. So we could say that all day. If well, their offense—they're offense to keep their defense off the field. That was part of the problem there. And and when the offense got on the field, they couldn't do nothing. Listen, exactly. that, that's—I mean—that's what I mean. I think Alabama really didn't play didn't play strong at the end either. I think they took it easy on them at the end. I think Georgia took it easy on Michigan at the end. To be honest with you, just to be honest with you, yeah. I'm not. Listen, since they had a great year, Michigan had a great year. It's just a different class of football. That's all there is to it, right? Right yeah, now. Well, well, but this isn't a Cincinnati thing. This is an Alabama, and you said it a minute ago. This is an Alabama thing, right? There's, it, it, it's the big school thing. It's not a Cincinnati thing because this happens in the semifinals every year. It doesn't matter whether it's Notre Dame or Oklahoma or not tiny little school, you know, uh, 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 not football powerhouses like Cincinnati. Right. So this isn't, you know, just a Cincinnati thing, and they can't compete. This is everybody. But here's right. the thing you got to realize. When you play a team like Alabama, Georgia, you're playing grown men. I mean, these guys are huge. Did you see the size of them? 312, and the yeah. guys running them down the field. I mean, there was a size difference. They're getting grown men. They're yeah. finding them in the little towns that in uh, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and they're making these. These are grown men. They are some big men. And you can say what you want, but the physical nature of these guys, and they get them to play hard. And yeah. that's the thing you got to realize. And that's not a knock against Cincinnati. Because no. I, no. I agree no. with you, Keith. I think Cincinnati deserved to be there. Yeah, I do too. And you know what? It, 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 and I think I heard Jim say this uh, before I came on that, you know, it, to me, if you expand the playoff and, and, and the NCAA goes some of the ways they should go, you may start to see the Alabamas not be able to stock players and have, you know, their, four, their top three guys are the best three guys at that position in the country, right? I don't right. think you're going to see that in the future possibly. So. so, Keith, let's get to the Patriots while you're here. The Jags come to play the Patriots, big underdogs. Uh, their team no better, better really than it was uh, last year, really. I mean, in fact – not counting the records, I think the Jags might have even been a little bit better, a little more competitive last year. Yeah. yeah. Mac Jones had pl- problems last week against Buffalo, right? And 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 you know they the Patriots can't get behind a team. I don't think they'll have a problem here. I think this is a game that writes the ship for the Patriots before they play Miami next week. Yeah. Today's all about you know getting the mind right again, getting Mac Jones back in a groove and past that rookie wall that he's run into. Um, they need to, they need a lot of confidence. Next week's going to be a tough game, and I think they're going to, you know, they just want to get out of here with a with a good, clean victory. Clean up the penalties, clean up the bad decisions that Mac Jones <clears throat> has been making for like two or three weeks now, um, which he wasn't making earlier in the year, and uh, 
get him ready so his confidence level where it needs to be because next week's liable to be for all the marbles as far as uh, who stays and who goes uh, to the playoffs. So it's important that they play well today to get a confidence level up on, you know, on both sides of the ball. Because let's not blame that last week all on Mac Jones because a defense got manhandled, didn't get off the field one time all day. Not one time did they force Buffalo to punt the football. That you, you, can't, you can't win football games like that, right? I mean, Jim played, obviously, on some really good defenses. And that's an important part of uh, winning football games is getting the other team off the field. I mean, it's pretty elementary stuff. Um, and the Patriots did none of it. And Mac Jones was not put in a position to succeed last week like he has been a lot of, a lot of uh, the year. And this week should write those ills. I mean, if this game's even close, I'm going to be very worried about the, the rest of the uh, – you know what the what the outlook is going to be for the rest of the season is belichick playing mind games when he says trevor lawrence has had a really good year for the jacks what's been so good about his rookie year well it partly probably is doing that but you know trevor lawrence has been in a bad situation you can't compare just numbers right when you're looking at trevor lawrence and mac jones or or zach wilson because these guys are playing in far different situations than say Mac Jones is right. He's in a position where he was able to not have to carry a team, not playing from behind every week, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I feel bad for the kid. I still think he's going to be really, really good in this league. And uh, unless for some reason his confidence level gets beaten down, but um, part, that's probably partly a mind game, Jack, but uh, you know, I think there's some truth to it. I think he does believe uh, the kid's going to be good. And that's where he's going with that comment. Well, I'll tell you, Keith, I think this is, you know, what the doctor ordered. And I agree if if this game is close at the end, then maybe, I don't know, maybe it inspires them to play harder, harder against Miami. And I just hope they're not looking past the Jags to Miami. That would be the only thing I would make sure that the players were concentrating on winning this game. And, and I know it's hard to do because people are people. And, uh, you know, they're looking at Miami because that's going to be the big game, whether they, you know, get in the playoffs, get a wild card or even – Still have a shot. If Buffalo, I think, has a pretty easy schedule for the last two games, so they probably have the division. But you guys still alive for that, too. Yeah, you know, we talk a lot about Mac Jones, and he's going to be important. Obviously, your quarterback's important to win in football games at any time. But the things that I think Bill Belichick is probably <clears throat> focusing on as much as anything this week is, and this has been a bugaboo the entire season in my mind, is bad penalties at bad points in time. And it hurt him again last week. It hurt him badly against the Colts. And even the special teams, they need to clean up. This has been a strength of this team uh, for the most of the year. But the last three games, it's really been a nightmare out there. Uh, Bailey's been in a slump. They had three bunt, uh, block, uh, punts blocked. Um, Folk's been, you know, a little more iffy and, and hurt on and off. And they just, they just haven't played as, as sharply as they have. The penalties are what scare me more than anything because they've come at really bad times all year long. And uh, even when they were on a winning streak, they still were committing some really atrocious penalties. They'd cleaned it up a little bit, but you oh, can't okay. do that. Now, not the, the margin's not that thick, right, uh, to win these games. You're playing with a rookie quarterback and, and some holes on defense that they've managed to cover up. So you got to stay clean in these other areas. Well, Keith, I want to thank you for coming in and reviewing the Patriots, jumping in the college, talk a little bit. Got to push on to the star of the show, you know. We got to push on to the Jet Man as he comes in with his Jet analysis uh, and updates. 
the Jets should hire this guy. I mean, because he brings more excitement than the game itself. I tell you, he's, he is an exciting man. So I know, I know there were some copyright issues. I got to talk to him really quick about before we before. Oh we, yeah, oh yeah. There's there was some kind, of, uh, some kind of fight going on about Jetman, but we'll we'll find that out. Keith, good luck today. You guys should win this and and keep alive for that at least for the wild card and have a great day, my friend. All right, Happy guys. New Year. Happy, Happy, Happy New Year, guys. Take care. Happy New Year. So there you go, Keith Angle. Always always coming on, giving us a little breakdown of the of the Patriots. And during the week, he also does other things for us as far as, you know, with different types of sports he covers with us. But right now, we got the one and only Jetman, who it seemed like somebody was trying to steal his identity, Jim. And I think there might be a war here. We're going to find out. Yes, yes. How you doing, Jetman? Good morning and Happy New Year, gentlemen. Happy Happy New New Year, Year, gentlemen. So so (laughs) what the heck's going on? Somebody's trying to steal your identity as a Jetman? Is that what I saw? Uh, this has been going on for a long, long time. Um, I am the original Jetman from 1992. Uh, started off uh, as Jetman and, and slowly evolved, uh, wore uh, shorts and no shirt, and had different caps made. It was Jetman and Catboy. Catboy was my sidekick, kind of like Batman and Robin. Wow. And Catboy would make the swim caps, one with a J, E, T, and S. And four of us would go to the games. We'd lead the chance with Fireman Ed. Um, and then I took a somewhat of a hiatus after going every game for 10 years, not missing a, a game through, um, you know, a, a lot of uh, tough years. Uh, co-tight, uh, I think they were four wins in two seasons. Right. Uh, 10 years without missing a game. And then my wife had children. So she said, you're not doing this 12 hours every Sunday. And, uh, you know, I kind of was incognito. I was kind of like Clark Kent. I would wear a jersey that said Jetman and go to the opening every season opener and go to a couple games. But I wasn't going to every single game. And a guy in my section who used to see me at the games for all those years, copycatted me oh, and man. named himself Jetman, which oh, you know, everyone needs to be a fanatic. Everyone needs to be an original. I have no problem with him leading chance. Seems like a good guy, but he's not Jetman. He right. is a, an imposter. And it's gone to the point where now he goes to every single game and you see him on TV and he was in the Bud Light commercial um, so it's kind of a tough, it's kind of a tough thing. I just wish he would use a different name. There's another yeah. guy at the stadium who's been doing it for 20, 25 years. He calls himself Captain Jet. Right. So, right. You know, there's a lot of room for different variations on the theme. Yes, there is. Is is so, all I want to know? All I want to know, so real, want, quick, real quick, okay. is this is legal action going to be taken? Because I I want to know about that. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I have the plate for over 30 years there you go. registered. You know, this other guy had uh, had um, a Rhode Island license plate that said Jetman. Uh, and, uh, you know, now he's gotten one made of plastic that's manufactured or something. By oh, my God. You know, and, I, I just want to compliment you on how you're handling this because Jack's on the show, too. And I know Jack is the one that goes to the games and he's Jetman, too. 
So no, I know I, it's I, I, I like it. the way they've been playing, I haven't been bragging about it. I just root for them quietly and you know leave it at that. And then I'm gonna be more front and center. Okay. The, big, the biggest problem is once someone takes someone else's identity and name. Yeah. Then there's going to be a hundred Jetmans at the game. Right, and that's just not you know, right. And it's like, what are we doing? I got some advice for you, Jetman. You need you speak to Pax and ask him how he would handle a situation like that if they tried yeah. to steal his identity. The Philly sports guy. I mean, I mean, yes, yes, definitely. So, yeah. Jetman, before you go down that road, let's get into here before we got to get rid of you. The Jets, they played a great game last week. They won 26-21. Um, so they do have a one-game winning streak. Bad news is they got the former Super Bowl champions, last year's Super Bowl champions, coming to town to play you. Um, this is like, I would think, like a Super Bowl to you guys. I think you guys will play very hard. But to be honest with you, I see, you know, a, a not a good game coming for the Jets this week. So yeah, what are you looking for? David, David versus Goliath today. I mean, I think yes. the Pats uh, – not the Pats. The, uh, the Bucks are, if not the number one – Offense number two in the league, and the Jets' uh, defense is number thirty-two. So, you know, it's uh, big boy against uh, little boy. But yeah, I, th I think they're going to have a lot of heart, a lot of pride today. I think it might be a close game. I think the Jets are going to to play well. Uh, hopefully, they can hold it together for the whole first half. If um, you know, if Gronkowski and and they get a little momentum and they score a few times and and get a 17 point lead at half. It may, uh, you know, it may evaporate and and end up being a, a blowout. But you know. no, Jim had mentioned about Styles a couple of weeks ago when New Orleans did a job on the Saints, and then I watched next week in Tampa Bay had no problems with you know the Carolina defense. Can the Jets take anything, guys, out of what the Saints did and maybe really? Treble them because the Buccaneers are getting their firepower back, you know, wide receiver at least with Brown, you know, and uh, Evans coming back. Yeah, I, I hope they uh, have studied. I hope they, you know, try to emulate uh, that game and that, that defense. Um, it's going to be tough. They've been thin with their defense all year with, with injuries and, and also rookies. I mean, they have one of the youngest secondaries and, and defense in the league. Um, you know, and last week they could have put that game away. I, I a couple of the, the plays when they, uh, you know, I, I like them thinking outside the box, but when they went for it on fourth down inside the 10 yard line on one, one play. And then they, uh, um, I don't know, they went two different times inside the 10, they could have kicked field goals and had the game in hand. And literally it came to the last play of the game Jet, man, don't I'm sitting there Jet, and they're on the Jet, one yard line I'm like we're either gonna win on this play or lose on this play. man don't worry you won it doesn't matter how you won you won be happy be happy enjoy the moment man I predicted in the beginning of the year the Jets would go five and twelve they have four wins they have two games left against Tampa Bay and Buffalo hypothetically if they are to win one which is going to be a bit of a stretch which team are they more likely to beat, the Buccaneers or the Bills? I, I Believe it or not, I would say today because they're home. Um, yeah. Yes, I, I think you're right. And you know, Jetman, I got a formula for you before we let you go. All they got to do is maybe block one punt, 
get three interceptions, run back a touchdown for uh, you know from from a kickoff, and maybe return a couple of interceptions for touchdowns, and they got a shot at Tampa. So you know if that team is doing all that, I think you guys got an absolutely great chance. Seriously though, I hope you guys play really well. I like to see the Jets, you know, as they are improving a little bit here and there. I love to see New York teams go ahead and 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 get on the winning path. God knows we got to get something going in New York. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and also, Jetman, instead of having just Jetman there, you should put the original Jetman so everybody knows who the real right. Jetman is. Yes, yes. I need to make some modifications. And, and uh, I'm going to be going to the draft uh, in April. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna modify the suit a bit and uh, make some upgrades. So well, good. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we have the uh, Philly sports guy does live from the draft. Maybe two can get together and we'll have you both live from the draft on the show next. This draft coming up. Yeah, that sounds great. All that right, good. Great. So so we got some plans with Jetman coming up here for the draft. Thanks for stopping in, Jetman. We'll see you next week, and hopefully you can tell me that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got shocked. Today. So that was great, <laughs> gentlemen. Have a great Happy day of football. Right, Happy New Year. Go Jets. There you go. All right. So, folks, backstage right now, we got our weekly guest that comes in and gives us a bunch of updates about the NFL. He breaks down, has a lot of insight, and, and, and has a lot of good points. You may not agree with him all the time, but I'll tell you right now, he's on points. So let's bring on the host of Sports Scope, Robert Butler, and I'm looking to see what kind of tie he has today. Hey, Good morning. I yeah, saw that time. Uh, Arizona Red to today, Jim. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. See that I red like two trophies in the background, by the way. Yes. Super Bowl nice. trophy. Yes, sir. All right. So so Robert, we normally talk yeah. about football. Once in a while I throw uh, other sport at you. I'm gonna do that today. Okay. I'm gonna set this, I'm gonna set this up because. Me and Jack and Dr. Paul yesterday in the base show got well. I got a little silly. I proposed something for baseball because baseball has a problem of promotions and they really don't have fan interaction like they did in the old days. So, what I said was to make the home run more exciting was to if the ball gets hit in the home into the stands and a fan actually catches the ball and throws it on the field, the ball's still in play. It's not really a home run. So, the runner has got to run. And you might have grandma throwing out somebody at second base. It would be great, right? I mean, the, the action would be great. I mean, people would probably be fighting the stand, so it would probably uh, be crazy too. So I don't think that would ever happen. Right. But what happens if they caught foul balls? And instead of the batter following the ball off 10 times, but fan catches a foul ball, you're out. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I did think it was crazy at first. But the more I think about it, you know that I, I am pro speed the game up guy. Yeah. You know, I, I drink a lot of coffee. I'm big into these smartphones. I would love the fact for the the, the batter to to uh, practice on putting the ball in play more. It would bring back bunting guys. You know, uh, yeah. I'm okay with that. If you really think about it, I mean, how many actually go into the stands? A lot of them just get fouled off and go behind the the catcher. I mean, that you can't. That's not an out. But if it actually fouls off and goes in the stands, the fan catches it, it's an out. Maybe, the you know, you'll have an issue like with the Cubs. Of, uh, I don't know. This was like 10, 12 years ago in the playoffs where the, the fan catches it and the guy for the Cubs is going crazy. That Marlins series, you guys remember that? Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, the guy almost... it's food for thought. Isn't it? <laughs> you knew I'd bite on that, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought I'd ask you because I thought I think that would be a great idea. Something that Vince McMahon would do if he formed another baseball league. Right. I mean, he probably have something crazy like that that he would do. But anyway, so let's get to why we're here. Vince Let's McMahon, get- the XFL, that, just one thing. That's why the XFL never made it. Because, Matt, they like your formula, smash-mouth football. Right. We live in an entertainment age. You know, you right. need to pizzazz like Stone Cold Steve Austin coming in the locker room at halftime and taking over for the coach after giving him a stunner. That's right. what you needed, and the XFL would have made it. Follow that formula. There you go. COVID hurt the XFL the second time around. It yeah. did. It really did. I mean, the XFL had some good, good, yeah. good rules. I mean, yeah, the kickoff yeah. rule was excellent. You couldn't, yeah. you couldn't charge down until the guy caught the ball. I mean, that that that. I mean, there was a lot of good rules they had there. I'm, I yeah. wish the NFL took a couple. So, Robert. Yeah. Uh, you know we. I, t- I we discussed this with Keith, and I want to get your your yeah. your and and with the guys here already. Do you think there's any team out there within the next few years that can consistently compete with the best teams in the SEC? Well, uh, I think the uh, keep an eye on the Hurricanes. Uh, Mario Cristobal is a Miami native. He is a well of a recruiter. Uh, what is it, Thibodeau, Jim, yeah. out of Oregon? Yeah, that's right. LA. Yeah. be a top yeah. five pick. Yeah. He, he got him out right. of Northern he California. Did. Go ahead. Yeah, and the uh, big offensive tackle that starts for the Detroit Lions. He's a uh, Panay Sewell. Yeah, his brother's going to be a high pick, the linebacker. Yeah. Oh, man. So, Cristobal in Miami, he could bring that swagger back to the U, I think. Uh, You look at uh, possibly Lincoln Riley at USC, but really Cristobal. Yeah, I believe more in Cristobal than Riley because it's interesting. Riley is an offensive guy, and that's what happened. That was Stoops' big problem with Riley. He only recruited defense. He only recruited offense. You're not going to win a national championship against those SEC teams just having a great offense. You better have a defense. This is a long shot a few years from now. It's building up. You guys are probably going to laugh with Deion Sanders, whether he's at Jackson State or elsewhere. I know it sounds wild. But young people relate to Deion Sanders. Great I would agree. Stylish. I wouldn't count them out. It sounds crazy, but I wouldn't count them out. Well, not Jackson, maybe Florida State. He might be the next yeah. coach at Florida State. And then yeah. you could say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, somewhere else. He yeah. has a Florida lot of Bobby Powell. Coach. Um, Mike Norvell may not work out at, at Florida State. And I mean, the guy got the number one player in the country, and the Florida yeah. State fans were furious. Yeah, I don't think Jack, I don't think he regards no. at all with that statement. You need no, that's, that's like a good that. choice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, you need somebody like that that played in the NFL that won Super Bowls that was the most valuable player, Hall of Famer. I mean, how is it's hard to turn somebody like that down when they're talking to you, right? So, I mean, but, and he can talk. Oh man, can he what's talk? interesting about that. Who is he uh, getting mentored by? Nick Saban. Very true. He's mentored by. Well, Nick according Saban. to those commercials, he is Jim. No, no, he <laughs> is. Oh, he really is. is. Okay. Yeah, he really is. Uh, Nick Saban spends a lot of time talking to him about coaching. And I saw um, him of those insurance commercials. <laughs> yeah, but that's what people. But uh, he's listening to what Nick Saban, yeah. and he's 
And Dion, even when he was a player, was very inquisitive about coaching and what, you know, things are doing and the philosophy of it. He, I knew he'd be a good coach. He's got a great personality, that's for sure. Yes. I mean, and he can communicate, that's for sure, too. So, yeah. I mean, yes. you know, it's very hard for former stars to become good coaches, though. So Yes, it's gonna it be is. It's going to be interesting to see how he makes out, uh, you know, when he goes to a bigger school or maybe he moves up because it's very hard. You know, the great legends like Bart Starr and, and all these great quarterbacks and, the, and, and players that went out to, to coach have a real hard time, uh, you know, getting their players to, to play uh, to their level, and, and they can't. So I, it's very frustrating, mm -hmm. I think, to them. Uh, so, Robert, um, yeah. one of the great – two great coaches passed away recently. John yeah. Madden, you know, we talked about – what are your thoughts on John Madden, Robert? Well, uh, John Madden was a guy that, as far as a commentator, because, I mean, I wasn't around when he was coaching the Raiders. I know he has the highest winning percentage per uh, 100 games uh, in the history of the league, but – as a commentator, he, he can make it where when I was six, seven, eight years old, can understand the game. A casual fan like my mother could understand the game, you know, but also someone that's more advanced like I am now be interested in some of his analysis, uh, you know, drawing on the screen, uh, doing the turkey tradition. Uh, See, I haven't seen that yet. I mean, people have brought people have gotten away. Other networks have gotten away from giving the turkey to the winning team and all that stuff. Uh, so that's what really stands out about John Madden to me. He, he can make it where everybody can understand it. Truly authentic guy. Uh, he doesn't come off pompous or uh, arrogant by no means. Uh, an everyday uh, everyday man. That takes the game serious and very smart and has the resume to back up what he was saying. You know, every good broadcaster that I that I followed, they have one thing that's in common. They talk to the people listening more than they talk to their partner, right? I mean, they talk to their partner, but they're really talking to everybody. And yeah. a lot of broadcasters don't do that. They'll turn and say, hey, well, you know, they turn to their partner and start talking. John Madden seemed a way to talk to everybody at once. And that's what really made him special. As you said he wasn't, you know, he wasn't pompous. He was a, he's just an offensive lineman that knew the game and knew how to describe it and added some excitement. So that's, I think, I don't, I don't think you'll see another broadcaster like John Madden for a long time. That's for sure. Yeah. So. And he recognized guys like Nate Newton, you know, the offensive line. That's the, that, that's the centerpiece of a team. It's the concrete. It's just not, I mean, yeah, the, these skilled players, they look great, but if the quarterback can't get them the football, you know. It it, it, it it don't work. We all seen that. Yeah, he. And I mean, he, he was one of the first to really talk about the lineman. Yeah, and they do mention that. And I watched that all Madden thing twice. I, I watched it Saturday. Yeah, I, I mean, know. he dies on a Tuesday. I know, it's a shame. So Dan Reeves passes away, former Dallas yeah. Cowboy. I know. I know. Uh, uh, Jim knows about him too, but also a great coach. I mean, he took Denver to three Super Bowls, took Atlanta to the Super Bowl, had the Giants a play away from going to the playoffs, beating the Cowboys back, I think it was 93 or 94. I mean, he knew how to coach. Do you think he's underrated? I mean, when we talk about great coaches, Dan Reeves isn't mentioned that much. Here's one. I had to check two websites for guys to make sure I had this right before I went on the program. He's got more regular season wins than Bill Parcells. 
200 uh, wins. So Parcells is like 172. Uh, two-time coach of the year, Gil Brandt, tweeted out, uh, this guy's won two-time coach of the year and two Super Bowls as far as a, uh, a coach. I think one as an assistant coach, one as a player, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. He should have gotten the Hall of Fame. I know the knock on him is the John Elway not winning the Super Bowl with one of the greatest prospects of all time. But I can argue that there wasn't a salary cap in the 80s, guys. You know? He was a heck of yes, a he's player. underrated. <laughs> he was a heck of a player. I mean, he's on an option pass. They scored the go-ahead touchdown that he was involved in the ice bowl game against the Packers, you know, that could have gotten the Cowboys a Super Bowl, but then the Packers came back on that last drive. And like you said, three Super Bowls, you know, with Denver. The problem was they got blown out in each game. Yeah. Yeah. And then he took Atlanta to their first Super Bowl, like as mentioned, and, you know, they basically got blown out in that game as well. But a really good coach with the Giants. He elevated every team he came to, elevated them. Heck of a coach. And if you look at his body of work, I mean, a definite Hall of Famer, if you look at his body of work, playing yeah. coach. He idolized Coach Tom Landry. That was yeah. his mentor, basically. He'd always... He wouldn't call him Tom. Coach Landry wanted Dan Reeves to call him Tom, and he refused. He'd always insist on in calling him Coach Landry because he absolutely re revered Coach Landry. Well, well let, me, let me get Jim in here, right? So Jim played for a Hall of Famer, Marv Levy, who went to four Super Bowls and lost all four. And Dan Reeves goes to four Super Bowls, has his teams pretty much in the playoffs every year when he coached. Why is Mar Levy in the, in the Hall of Fame and Dan Reeves is not? That's a good question. And um, I didn't have the opportunity to, to know Dan because obviously he was gone by the time I got there. He was coaching in Denver. But I heard stories and he was a tremendous guy. And um, he was uh, other things off the field and the people around him who knew him really loved him. But you're right. Uh, Marv Levy was a heck of a coach. I got an opportunity to play for him. But Dan Reeves, from what Robert has said, yeah. has a lot of the same credentials. And it is because Dan was a, a very good player and a coach. And he has over, what, 200 and something wins, you yeah. said? Uh, I mean, he yeah, should have. Yeah, in the postseason, yeah. You know, it's yeah, interesting, so Jim. We, uh, Mac and myself had Phil Sims on as a guest. And even though Phil Sims said nice things about Bill Parcells, he gushed about Dan Reeves as his coach, saying how close mm -hmm. he was with Dan Reeves. He didn't say he was so close with Bill Parcells, but he really yeah. talked about his relationship with Dan Reeves, who had coached him with the Giants. And a lot of players did that, too. It was interesting. But uh, Dan wasn't as – Coach Landry, don't let it get wrong. I saw Pickles put up there something about – Coach Landry was a tremendous coach. He wasn't – he – the reason he separated from the players because he knew at that time that he would have to cut them or ask them to retire. Yeah. And that was difficult on him because he had been a player, but coach Landry was a tremendous uh, person and a tremendous coach. When you can critique a whole offense and defense, that's pretty impressive and special teams. Yeah. I mean, listen, probably the greatest defensive innovator of all times, Tom Landry. Maybe, maybe mm -hmm. even better than Bill Belichick. I mean, he, he invented a lot of defenses. Yeah, and offense. And offense. He did the offense, the shotgun. People don't yeah, give him credit. He that back. Yeah, he started that. 
the hit step with the hit sting with the offensive line and things like motion, that. Motion, motion constantly. Yeah, I mean, he did a lot of stuff. Exactly. He did Coach, a lot of things. So. He did. But Dan Reeves, I could see why Coach Landry was his mentor. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Robert, you know, you got the Raiders coming up against the Colts. Huge game for both teams. Yeah. Just found out that once I didn't, he wasn't supposed to be playing. He got, he's playing today. So he yeah. got, he's off COVID protocol. Who do you got winning this and why? Because to me, this is a very interesting game. Yeah. I mean, look at the Raiders. Every time you want to ride them off, they, They'll go beat the Cowboys inside Dallas. Now, I swore I thought Dallas was going to dominate that game. Uh, look at everything they've been through this year. Uh, Derek Carr is really holding this team up, and, and guys are believing it in the in the interim coach there. But the Colts, man, I mean, they're playing outstanding football. Raiders are 18th against the run. Uh, the Colts have the best uh, highest rushing uh, running back, Jonathan Taylor, in the league. Uh, Colts defense is 11th overall. This is an early start time, and that helps the running backs, Jim. I know you like to talk about yeah. the West coming East and me being a fantasy player. Look out for the Ravens and, and, and their rushing attack against the Rams coming East. But same thing with the Raiders coming East. It's a noon central start time game. I look for Taylor to have a really big day today. Long as wins don't screw things up. Uh, he, he only took like 12 times. Playing Rob. Is Wentz definitely playing? Yeah, he's definitely getting yes. off. Yes, yeah, he is. He, is. The co- the, he the, hasn't the screwed it up in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, and go ahead. Good. Okay, so is Robert. Derek Carr definitely playing? Who? Derek Carr. That I, I didn't know. know he's even questionable. I didn't, I didn't think he was questionable, but whatever. I mean, I don't know. I guess he is. The only one I know that's not playing is a quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings today. He's out. Cousins, so, yeah. He's definitely out. That's for sure. So uh, let's let's get to the, the, the rookie class of quarterbacks this year, Robert. Yeah. I mean, to me, you, you, we talk about franchise quarterbacks, right? Franchise quarterback just means great quarterback to me. He can he can carry a team when he has to. He makes plays all the time. And and, and he can win a game for you just on his arm alone and his smarts. Then you got the, the, the very good quarterbacks I mean, you got excellent, you got very good, and the very good ones make plays. They can win games for you too. They may just not be on that level of, of a, say, a Brady or or a Rogers. And then yeah. you got the good ones, right? You got good ones that that maybe they're game managers, right? They if they don't lose the game for you, you got a good shot. You can even win a Super Bowl with them. Then you got the others. And right now, who do you think? Out of all these quarterbacks you've seen this year, Trey Lance hasn't played that much, so maybe he gets a pass. But all of the rookie quarterbacks, is there really a great quarterback this year that you saw? Uh, well, you got to look at who's progressed the most. Uh, Mac Jones, he's pretty much stayed the same since preseason, uh, but, but he's played well since the preseason. Uh, really high football IQ, makes quick decisions. But throughout the season, guys, I know it's been crazy in Chicago, but Justin Fields has made big jumps from we've seen him not even getting the the offensive line uh, squared away in this uh, uh, preseason game. He took a really bad shot in one of the preseason games. I can't remember who it was against. I think it was Buffalo or somebody. Until now, I know he's had some injuries, but he's really played well in these big games. I look for Justin Fields possibly to make the biggest jump. 
and to potentially be the biggest star. I know we've got a lot of guys here in this particular class, but if you look at it compared to last year with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, the talent level's quite not quite the, there as far as the first year is concerned. Uh, but Fields is the one that looks like it, it, with the right coach and everything I read, Nagy's going to get fired. Uh, he could really take off and potentially be the best quarterback in this class going forward. But you one of the programs, Urban Meyer is no longer the Jacks yeah. coach, but he had Justin Fields. He had a relationship with him through Ohio State. Yeah. So what happened? So you kind of wondered, did there was Urban Meyer in charge of that number one pick with Jacksonville? Would he have been bold enough if he was to actually take Justin Fields ahead of Trevor Lawrence? Because say what you want about Urban Meyer, he does know college talent. Yes. How would it have turned out if Justin Fields went to Jacksonville? And imagine Trevor Lawrence obviously would have then fallen to the Jets next. With our criticisms of, of Urban Meyer, it would have been that much more polarizing than it yeah. already is because he took, you know, he took Tebow. Uh, he, he drafted the running back from ETN when they already had James Robertson early. Uh, he, he started a former Ohio State player, and I can't remember his name, the other running back uh, over James Robertson when ETN went out. Uh, I can't, you know, guys who know who I'm talking about. But if he would have took Justin Fields over a guy that was supposedly a generation, and he still may be, Trevor Lawrence still may be a generational talent that, that you're hearing that it is pretty close to an Andrew Luck or John Elway coming out of college. It may not last this long. <laughs> he may have been fired after eight games. Uh, that's my answer to that question, Jack. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that, Robert. I think I think that that would put. Never mind bringing yeah Tebow on the practice squad. It, all the all the, the nonsense you heard about that. I mean, yeah, and I I've been impressed with just like he said, Justin Fields. But I yeah. think after watching Troy Aikman as a rookie and playing with Troy Aikman as a rookie, he got injured. I think Trevor Lawrence can be a generational with the right coach. It is yeah. all about the person that they surround him with. And the coaching, the quarterback coach is going to be crucial for Trevor Lawrence because there's obviously things that they have to correct and help him and find out what he does best. I would spend a month with Dable uh, down at Dabble, down at Clemson, and said, "Okay, what does this kid do? What can we do to help him become the best that he can become? What did you do?" And the same thing. But Justin Justin Fields has got some things that are pretty impressive for a young quarterback. I got to tell you something funny, guys. Jalen Hurts has been criticized, but this is only yep. his second year, and he's ahead of all five of those rookie quarterbacks. They're going to exactly. have to improve to be on Jalen Hurts's level next year. That <laughs> would be a nice thing to that, guys. It's a great point. It's a really a great point. I mean, we, we make fun of Jalen Hurts, but these guys aren't even close to him yet. So, and yeah, really, too. name out there yeah. for Jacksonville. I had to write this down. Uh, his name has been talked about. Jim Caldwell. Look what he did with Joe Flacco in exactly. Baltimore. Look at the drop off from Detroit when they thought they could do better. Exactly. Uh, with Patricia. Yeah. Jim yeah. Caldwell is one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL. And he's great with quarterbacks, like yes. you said, yes. Robert. It makes sense. It makes a lot yeah, of sense. Definitely does. Definitely does. Robert, I want to thank you for coming in. Happy New Year, as you do every year. Happy New Year, Robert. Yeah, Happy New Year, Sunday guys. And, and, uh, Happy New you know, Year, Robert. We went to Tennessee today. 
uh, it should be a good one. So, uh, man, I got to cleanse the South today. I can't be yeah. messing around here. <laughs> Robert, have a good one. Enjoy them games, my friend. Have a good show. Take care, Robert. All right. So there you go, folks. Robert Butler, always fun having him on. He's very, very animated and really knows his stuff. It's fun to, fun to have him on as, as we do every week. Been on us for a long time, Jack. So good guy. Anyway, folks, we're going to take our first break for today. We're going to back, come back on the other side, and we'll have the Philly sports guy, Jamie Pags himself, come in and talk about and brag about his Eagles, as he should, right? I would. If I, if I had a team to brag about, I would do. So, uh, so anyway, he'll be up right after this. And, of course, we'll be breaking down all the games as we do every week, folks. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy. But your aching head and stomach here, this message from Old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Those Speedy bubbles relieve your upset stomach and headache fast. For acid indigestion alone, Alka-Seltzer gold. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Mm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. I heard you want to be a Frito Bandido like me. You do. Then you must sing the Bandido song. Let's sing together. You just follow the bouncing Frito's corn chips bag. Ay, 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 ay. I am the Frito Bandido. I like Frito's corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Frito's corn chips. I'll get them from you. 
ay, 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 ay. Oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. The Frito Bandito, you must not offend. Now, boys and girls, you are Frito Bandidos too. You sing the Frito Bandito song and you look for crunchy Fritos corn chips. That's nice. Munch, 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 Fritos corn chips. I heard you want to be a little bandido like me. You too. Uh, oh, I love the Frito Bandido dad. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Welcome back to the Mac and Jack and Jim. Big football show as we continue on here uh, on our football Sunday. Coming up soon, hopefully, will be the uh, Philly sports guy. And as I say his name, he jumps in here live, folks. He's always live for us most times at the games. So we give you live live broadcast from the games with the Philly sports guy every chance we get. Uh, Eagles going against Washington. Should be an interesting game. Here he is, the Philly sports guy, J.B. Pags. Good morning, Pags. Good morning, guys. Happy New Year. Good morning, Pags. Looking at you. Hey, I got a, I got a bus full. I got a bus full of Eagles fans that we're taking down to Washington. That's right. That's right. I love it, Tags. I love it. They're going to be loud behind us, so we got to just keep on going. So, of course, you got Washington today, right? You guys beat them two weeks ago, 27 to 17. You beat the Giants. You killed the Giants. And now you got Washington again. I think it's important today, Pags, that you guys get off to a fast start and don't give Washington a chance to, to, to come and stay even with you until late in the game. I, well, you know what? I, I would love to say that, that we should start off quickly, but we don't. And uh, typically, we're a second-half team. Uh, it obviously was was very apparent against the Giants. Uh, I mean, I thought that maybe we came out a little lethargic, you know, after the five-day rest, and then they went into the locker room and kind of said, hey, listen, it's time for us to wake up, and they woke up. Uh, today, I think it's going to be a little different. Obviously, we played them a couple of weeks ago, so we kind of know what their offense and defense is about. Uh, I'm interested to see how their defense is going to handle some of the adversity that they had from last week, where they're you know fighting each other, or you know. But really, it, beyond them fighting each other, I mean, they let up four touchdowns in a row. That's that that's going to boil over at any point, you know. I I don't know, Jim. Have you ever had time where where you were just Nothing seemed to be going right, and did you guys start to go after each other a little bit just because you don't have nothing else to, you know, it's like you, you, you're not pointing fingers, but it's, that's, well, frustration in the team. It's frustration. 
because everybody told me how good they were going to be, and they've struggled, let's be honest. And they were playing the first-place uh, schedule, and they weren't prepared to play that schedule. And that's the thing that happened to Washington. They weren't as good yeah. as they thought they were. Yeah, a little bit of sniffing themselves. Yeah. Well, exactly. you know, I, I, I think I still think Washington is a, a solid team, Pags. I think you know they they played a lot of tough people, tough. They still they still have six wins, and and Philly is they got to win this game, and yeah. I think they got to come up, fire it out, fire it up, man. I, I agree. I I think that I think that we need to win this game for a lot of reasons. One first reason being that uh, it's tonight is the easiest chance for us to clinch to playoff spot. So, obviously, you want to beat the team that's right in front of you. That's Washington. You know, so let's take care of Washington. You know, if we have to win against Dallas, it's likely that Dallas is going to rest some of their people. I mean, I don't know if they're still going to be going for the number one seed or not. That's still left to be determined. But my thought is, is that if Green Bay wins tonight, uh, that they get the number one seed regardless. So, then, then it don't mean anything for Dallas, and that means Dallas can rest their people. Uh, so I would like to do the same. I'd like to rest our people. And the only way we can do that is to clinch a spot today. So we got to take care of business. Got to do what we said. I said that we were going to be 9-8. and eight, And, I, you know, I need them to make sure that I'm not lying. So. Uh, is Nick Sirianni in the running for coach of the year? What do you think? No. No. I actually, truth of the matter is, is that if I had to choose the coach of the year right now, it would likely be the guy from Miami. That's good. Yeah, to, to, yeah, to, to, to go down and lose seven games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just just because, I mean, I, when you think about the team like that and, you know, so you lose seven games in a row and then to come back and win seven games in a row, obviously making the playoffs is going to be the biggest determination for that. But out of all of the coaches that I think about, yeah, you know, I, initially I would have thought that Arizona coach was going to be there, but then they started to lose a couple of games. Uh, I mean, I, I'd like to say Nick Sirianni's in the conversation, but I don't believe that. You know, I, I believe I believe that really right now uh, that if Miami makes the playoffs, that it's them. If it's not, if it's not Miami, I tell you, it's got to be Belichick winning. You know, doing what he's doing. I mean, as you know, we know that he's one of the best coaches ever. But to still do what he did this year with really a whole brand new team is an amazing thing. What about Frank Reich or Vrabel? Uh, so Frank Reich, I don't put as highly regarded only because his running game is what's doing everything. Uh, Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel, with all of the adversity that he's had with the injuries and such, that he's more of a play. He's more of a play. But I, I think that that's so. I, I yeah. So maybe Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel, Belichick, and uh, it's, it's it's not Salah, right? From Salah's not Miami. That's the Jets, right? Yeah. Um, about Brian Flores. Flores. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Pag. So again, listen. Good luck today. You guys should win this. But I'm gonna tell you right now, Washington was embarrassed last week. They're gonna come up fired out. They're gonna come up to play hard. Uh, you guys are going to have to take them on. I, I, I'm telling you right now, you guys got to jump out fast on these guys. You don't want to give them a chance. Hey, I, I'd like for us to come out fast. I think that this is going to be a very similar game to the way it was in 
two weeks ago. Uh, and in fact, I even have the same score, 27-17. I think that the, the Eagles may start off a little slow, that, that Washington gets out in front, and then the Eagles start to turn it on, and that's when and that's when we wind up taking over. And once we once we take the lead, we don't ever look back. And then and then we start worrying about Dallas next week. And then I think Dallas the following week. I think you're going to have two weeks of Dallas. That means Jim, you're going to be stuck with me for two weeks. Two weeks. And I'm, I'm coming. Are you coming up to Philly, Jim? Are you coming up to Philly next week? No, I'm not coming to Philly, but I'll be in Dallas waiting for you. Hey, listen. Well, I'll be coming. I'll be coming. I'm staying at your place. So, I got. I want. I want some of your seats. I want to sit right next to you for that playoff game. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> Jim is lucky you weren't there back in the day because when his bus pulled up to Philly with the Cowboys, if he saw you, he'd get intimidated. Oh yeah, I, I know, I know. I'm a scary looking guy, and he's seen me. He's seen me face to face now, so he knows. He knows that I, I'm not this small little guy, a little pushover. I'm definitely going to be able to pack a punch. <laughs> yeah, guys, good luck. Tell everybody there, good luck, and we'll we'll see what happens today. Good luck to you all, my friends. Thanks, everybody. And go back. There you go, folks. There you go. The Philly sports guy and his his bus. You know, his bus goes everywhere with that that travel thing he's on. It's great having him on every week live. So uh yeah, good luck to him. I I think the Eagles will win this game. We'll see what happens. Tell you, if I were the Jets, I'd consider trading a seventh round draft choice for Pags and his crew. Yes, I, I Right, yeah. that was Jet Man. I mean, that dude is that dude's off the hook. Jet Man is good, but he's got to yes, get a little more of the intensity that Pax has. You know, yes, Pax yes. he's got his own travel, um, little travel service going. Pax does a yeah. good job. He does. I I would suggest Jet Man gets rid of the tights. That's the only thing I say. I mean, other than that, he's he's, he's my man. I like okay, Jet so. Man. I, do. I like I Jet do. Man. I, you know, but it's hard when you don't have a winner to, yeah, that you know, is push your team. Well, at least the fireman looks a little, a little tough, you know. Jet Man's kind of, he's just a, he's a good fan. He's a good leader, and he, yeah. of course, he's, he's a star of our show every Sunday, folks. You know that. So, folks, we're gonna get and start breaking down the games. In fact, right now, um, a lot of there's a lot of big spreads out there, guys. So you're gonna have plenty to pick from for underdogs. But we're going to get it going. We're going to start it off with the great uh, Super Bowl-bound New York Giants getting six and a half at Chicago Bears. Me? I mean, I'm going to keep riding the train. I'm going to pick against the Giants. I'm taking the Bears minus six and a half against my team. I think the Bears will beat the Giants by more than six and a half points. Jack, what do you, you know, think? when you talk about all the expectations the Giants had, it's hard to believe they're not going to do something these next two games, at least show a little daylight. And the Bears in the same situation, basically, as the Giants. So you know what's intriguing about this game, guys? The Bears have one more win than the Giants. The Giants have their own number one pick, and they have the Bears' number one draft pick in the Justin Fields deal. Are the Giants better served? And it's not going to affect the players. That's ridiculous to think it would affect how the players perform. 
But is the organization better served with the Giants winning or losing this game at this point? With that said, I'm going to go with the Giants to actually win a low-scoring game on an upset 17-14. The Bears aren't too much better than the Giants at this stage. This is an interesting game because we know that Nick Folk won for him last week. But they're starting Andy Dalton. Chicago starting Andy Dalton this week. And it's kind of like Nagy saying, hey, I'm going to do what I want, even if it is my last two games. And I'm going to go with Chicago. I think Chicago eke it out. I'm with uh, Mac on that one. Is anyone Matt Nagy could save his job, guys, with two wins at the end of the year? Do you think there's I think he can. Yeah. I, 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 I do too. I think if he bought the Bears and became owner, he could save his job tomorrow. But <laughs> Kansas City going to Cincinnati, giving Cincinnati three and a half. I'd love the upset here. I'd love to see Cincinnati, if they beat Kansas City, and I think Cincinnati has just as good offense as, as the Chargers have. I think if Cincinnati beats Kansas City, we start thinking about uh, Cincinnati in a different way. I like Cincinnati at home uh, with the three and a half points, Jeff. Yeah, the Chiefs running back at Edwards Hilaire's out. This is Cincinnati's final exam to see whether they graduate, whether we, you know, whether I take them seriously at this point. I don't take them as seriously as other people, even though they've pulled a number of surprises this year. Chiefs on the roll, they want to wrap up home field. I think it's going to be a close game, but I'll like, you know, the Chiefs by a touchdown. I'm the same. I think that um, when Cincinnati had, they did it with the injured Ravens team and some team, but when they went against the big dogs, they haven't played as well. And I would go with Kansas City. I think Mahomes is uh, playing. Kelsey will be back. And they have, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill is going to destroy Cincinnati's uh, defensive backfield. I just think Kansas City's going to win. And it's going to be, shoot, I give them 10 points. I'll tell you, Eli Apple for the Bengals has been one of the major surprises in the NFL at cornerback because the Giants took him in the first round and he had personality issues as a flop, went to a couple of other teams. New Orleans. He's been a rock, you know, in the Bengal, you know, secondary as a cornerback. uh, So that's been one of the good stories in the way of the NFL, a young man getting it all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the talent of Eli Apple was never questioned. It was just that he yeah. couldn't get his, his, his stuff together. So we got Atlanta getting 14 and a half against Buffalo. Um, Buffalo had his big win last week. I think they're going to be down a little bit. I think Buffalo still wins. But I think Atlanta, believe it or not, covers this spread. I think Buffalo maybe wins by two touchdowns. I'll take the half a point. What do you think, Jack? I think Buffalo in the route, and I think uh, the – Allen to Stefan Diggs combo is going to heat up. They're going to get, you know, two, three touchdown passes today. I think Buffalo's got their swagger back. They want to close out the division. I don't think this game is close. I think this game is over before the first half. Now, they play in Buffalo, correct? Yeah. So I would say Buffalo would get after them. I think it is going to be uh, uh, 14 points. I would give Buffalo and take Buffalo covering uh making sure they'll do it because i think atlanta's gonna struggle out there okay uh you got the the los angeles rams at baltimore rams are given in other words baltimore is a six and a half point underdog jackson they don't know if it's gonna play or not if he can't go nunley will go 
which he played very well against Green Bay. Well, Huntley, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I listen, I think Baltimore has a lot of heart. I think they, they got a, a a good team, but I think the Rams are at least gonna beat them by a touchdown, Jeff. Rams look to be peaking. Uh, Mick Akers, I thought, would be back. They're running back. He's not playing. He's supposed to be back next week, at least for the postseason. And he could be a major, major factor, you know, for the Rams. They're so well balanced. Uh, they should win handily. I'm thinking, I'm hearing in the background that uh, the Rams got some dogs on their team. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, huh? Go ahead. I, was, I thought maybe he was making a pick. I wasn't hey, that's, sure. what, that's what <laughs> happens in Florida. Listen, I mean, you know, someone walks by with their dog. I mean, what, <laughs> what can I do? I'm, I'm allowing, you know, a little fresh air to come in in the sunroom. It happens quick. It happens oh, so yeah. quick. It's like I'm a quarterback, you know, they are me. So I'm going to go with, uh, I think this is going to be a difficult game for the Rams. Just like they're going a long ways. And I think if Huntley plays like he's been playing last week, I'm not a big Matt Stafford fan. But I tell you what, ODB's been playing. I think the Rams will win, but it won't the um the Ravens will cover the spread this week. All right, you think they cover the Sean Lamar Jackson long term make that major commitment, make him one of the highest QBs in the league. If you're the uh, Ravens, uh, you reserve judgment still. I think that I love Lamar Jackson, but I've also seen quarterbacks like him, similar to him, and they don't last. They do not last. They, that's like a running back. He's getting beat up. And I know he's a unique talent, but this guy is taking hits all the time. He's like a running back. Yeah. And he can throw, yes, and everything, but he's going to have to learn to be a quarterback if he wants to obviously uh, have an ascended career. You know, Jim, they tried that last year with him. They tried keeping him in the pocket, not running. It didn't work out. Baltimore yeah, went out. They were terrible. And then they started running again. They started winning again. That's what he is. And, you know, I agree with you. That contract's coming up. If I'm Baltimore management, I'm I'm thinking I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to sign him to a big uh, exactly. long-term contract. I got a guy behind him that's okay, and there's other quarterbacks out there. I mean, I don't know what – I don't know how Jackson will react to it. That's the question. Is Jackson going to get mad and decide he wants out if he doesn't get that? They big can contract? franchise him. They can keep it going, but for whatever reason, the mindset exactly. of NFL players they taking this the ultimate insult, especially a quarterback if you franchise tag him. Yeah, I don't. I don't I'd know. I'd be scared I of that one, and I I think the kid is a tremendous player, but he won't last. He will not no. last. Not his style. No, I, no. I mean, they, they actually design. I mean, I don't care if you run with the ball as a quarterback, but when you start designing running plays for him, and he's your main running back, it reminds me sort of Bobby Douglas. I don't know if you guys even remember Bobby Douglas from Chicago. The guy was 240 pounds back then in the 70s. It's like a fullback, and all he did was run with the ball. He couldn't throw it, and the guy got hurt, and he almost he was one of the first thousand yard rushers as a quarterback. And he just couldn't last because he wasn't a quarterback, really. He was a running back. Well, guys, John Elway ran a lot. He lasted. Michael Vick ran a lot. He yeah. lasted. Randall Cunningham ran a lot. He but lasted. But not the same. It wasn't the RG3 same. RG3 didn't last. It's know? not the same, Jack. They didn't call running plays for Elway and call exactly. running plays for Cunningham. They ran because exactly. that was what they had to do at that time. 
they design sweeps and options for uh, Jackson where he's the main ball carrier. And if you're going to do that to your quarterback, I don't know, man. I just don't Same know. thing with Josh Allen. You got to be careful of that. Well, yeah. I, I agree. I agree, Jim, because he may not last too much longer if exactly. he has to be the number one running back. That's just – it just – they can't do it. I, I don't care who they are. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, – well, we haven't really talked about it. I mentioned it quickly. Miami's getting three at Tennessee. Very – I think this is one of the best games of the week because I'm not sure – Still about Tua. He's he's a good quarterback. I see he's becoming a good quarterback. He's pretty accurate. Um, he's led his team back a couple times. I mean, I don't think he's a you know I don't think he's on the level of some of the other ones, but he looks good. And then you got Tennessee, whose defense sometimes will knock the the snot out of you. I mean, they got a great defense. Tannehill's playing good. I don't think Henry's back. I don't know. I I'm gonna go with the home team, but. I mean, this isn't a strong pick for me. Miami could beat Tennessee. What do you think, Jack? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought Jack was going to say something. Okay. Um, Miami is uh, is a team that is on the rise, and they have. I'm going to pick Miami to win this game. And I think we were all wrong about Tua. Tua is playing pretty good. I watched that game last week, and Tua is getting better. And I know I like Vrabel, but this is Flores, Vrabel, guys that have known each other and – I don't know if they coached together. I don't know if uh, Vrabel ever coached for um, a Belichick, but I, they, they're similar in style. And I think this is going to be one of the games of the week, like you said, and I'm going to go with Miami. You know, Miami, they have a seven-game winning streak. The schedule's been soft. Two wins over the Jets' competitive games. Did you see the game against New Orleans last week? They beat Ian Book, a quarterback, fourth-round selection from Northwood they never played before. He was awful, awful. And the commentators are making excuses for Ian Book. Oh, he doesn't have the blocking. He had no idea what to do with the ball. He rolls out. It was it was sad to see. I, I hate to put down an NFL play. I really do, you know? Uh, but it was awful. It's like he had no business being there. It wasn't he through training camp? I can't believe he wasn't coached up a little bit. He was awful, awful. He was doing other teams' offense, Jack. He was oh, a scout team. Was, like he'd roll out the pass and like just, it was like clueless. I felt sorry for him. He reminded me of myself when I taught night school with high school seniors. I took them out to the football field. I played quarterback. I didn't know they played on the team and they rushed me and I just threw the ball anywhere to get rid of it. Okay? I mean, it was, that's what it looked like. It was Ah, oh, it was brutal to watch. So who are you picking, Jack? Uh, I mean, in that game, Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's a little the better team. I'm not sold on Miami. Tennessee by about seven points or so. Mike Rabel's done a great job. When they lost Derrick Henry, you thought the season might agree. slip away, and he kept it together. I mean, good, good coaching job. And I think Tennessee, once I love Brian Flores at Miami, but I think it, their seven-game winning streak is great by any measure. But at the same time, it's a little overrated based on who they've played. Jim, it seems like Tennessee's defense has come and been better than last year. And it yeah. seems like Miami, who had a great defense, kind of fell off a little bit. Is but that they're starting to play. They, what, they had eight sacks against I know Ian Book is Ian Book, yeah. but they did have eight sacks against them. And it's hard to do that in the NFL. 
And um, I would have to say Miami's is on the rise. Seven games, they were what, one and seven, and then come back. I mean, they've won seven games. Odds are though, Jim, seven games winning. You know, the odds start yeah. going the other way. You know what I mean? No, nah, but hey, they get there's something going on over there. You got to give Flores. You got to give the team for not going because we see what happened to teams uh, around the league. And, yeah. and once they started losing, if they get in that situation, the Giants for a, a prime example, they don't play like they did earlier in the season. I agree. I definitely agree. Of course, there's a lot of things to figure in there, injuries and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. But the good teams will will still come, find a way to win anyway. Exactly. Uh, so we'll credit to that. So I was talking to, uh, you know, I asked Robert about this. Uh, the, the Raiders getting eight and a half against the Colts. There's something about the Raiders when they play good teams. I don't know what it is. It seems that they give them fits. I think the Colts are a real good team. Are they going to beat the Colts? I don't know. I don't think so. But I think they'll stay within the eight and a half. Because I don't – I listen, the Colts, even with Wentz back, I don't think the Colts are going to take Vegas very seriously. They're in the playoffs pretty much. Vegas needs this win. I'm going to take the eight and a half points. A great offensive line in Jonathan Taylor. That's made Wentz and Frank Reich set it up for Wentz to succeed. Kudos to him. If you had to pick a dark horse, and I'm not sure there's so much of a dark horse to get to the Super Bowl in the AFC there, would be Indianapolis. I mean, they lost a tough playoff game last year. I mean, I think they beat the Raiders handily, you know, by a couple of touchdowns. I think that Jonathan Taylor, and just like I think Robert said it, um, the Raiders are 18th against the run. And I think Jonathan Taylor is going to have a field day against them. I think it's going to be hard. And then he was also, Robert said, that if Wentz doesn't, I think Wentz is, understands that he's just managing the game like you said earlier, Matt. He's a manager and just don't do anything crazy. And the Colts will win this by eight and a half, ten points. Okay. Okay. We have Jacksonville getting 16 and a half versus New England. Listen, even with New England's young quarterback, I've seen them blow out teams. This should be a blowout. New England should win this by a few touchdowns. Are they going to? I'm going to take 16 and a half points. I'll do that any game. Yeah. Wow. When you lose two in a row the way New England did, I'm. I mean, the big game's really against Miami next week. You would think they can beat Jacksonville, even if they're not up for the game. But I don't know. Jim could answer. Is this a dangerous game in a sense for New England? Because their mindset is we have this. We're looking ahead to the big showdown to Miami. Even the coaches deep down, you know, thinking they should win this game. But then again, you can never tell in this league. Didn't Jacksonville beat Buffalo 9-6 early in the year? Their defense isn't so bad. Jacksonville's got burned on big plays, you know, know, during the season. So, you know, I mean, I can't see New England actually losing the game. It's a question how much they're going to win by. Will they cover those 16 and a half points? I think they will. I I think so, too, Jack. I think um, New England is a good team, and Matt, uh, obviously, Jones has done a tremendous job. But I don't think 16 and a half points is a lot of points. I got to go with Jacksonville to lose, but they'll cover. That's 16 and a half That's points. a lot of points. That's, That's a lot of points. I think so, too. I mean, you know, the Pickles has bats winning 28 to nothing. That's possible. I mean, I, yeah, I guess. It is but, possible, but I doubt it. 
I doubt yes. it. Yes, yes. So after that, we got Philly versus Washington. We had the Philly guy live on his bus getting ready for the game with his, with his group of Philly fans. They're giving Washington four and a half points. Listen, Philly should be able to beat Washington by a touchdown or more. And this is all or nothing for them. They they, they win this game. They clinch the playoff uh, spot. They lose it. They're still up for grabs. And then they got to play Dallas. If Philly don't play hard today, they don't deserve to go to the playoffs. You know, Washington's one of those teams that's a little bit dangerous because we had, you know, some high expectations for them early in the year. And periodically they've played very well, but not recently the last few weeks. If they show up for last hurrah, they could actually win this game. I wouldn't be shocked if Washington won. Uh, you know, how good's the Philly team in reality? They've overachieved this year. You know, I look for a low-scoring game, Philadelphia maybe winning 16-14. to 14. I know I said that about the Giant game. Philadelphia exploded in the second half. <laughs> I, if I had to pick, I would take Washington with the four-and-a-half points, but I think Philly will eke out the wins. Yeah. Uh, the thing I think about this game is that if you remember two weeks ago with the, um, the Garrett Gilbert as the quarterback, Washington was up 10 nothing. They were up 10 nothing, and then they everything exploded. I think that Washington has a chance in this game because of last week. The Giants, at halftime, it was 3-3. And I don't know what happened to the Giants the second half. And he's uh, Pax is right. Philly is a second-half team. But I just think that uh, Washington is going to stay with them and then Philly eke it out at the end, maybe a field goal, through, and they'll win it by three. All right. So uh, we'll see what happens. It's, a, it's yeah. a very interesting game to me either way. Yeah, it is. Tampa, Tampa Bay only – now listen, at, the Jacksonville is getting is getting 16-and-a-half versus New England, but yet the Jets have a smaller spread. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are only supposed to beat them by 13-and-a-half. So, <laughs> so, I mean, they say the Jets, I guess, are better than Jacksonville. They beat them last week, so maybe that's why. But Tampa Bay at New York – Given the Jets 13 and a half points, I hate to say this. I mean, I, I, I want to take those points, but I just don't think I don't think the Jets can compare, can can stop the running game, can stop Brady. I, it's gonna I think this could be a blowout right off the rip, Jack. Now here in Florida, it's not like when I'm in New York, I automatically get the Jet games on TV. I thought because last week they were playing Jacksonville, a Florida team, I'd get the game. And I'm sitting down smiling at my TV, but I got the Tampa Bay-Carolina game in its place, you know. Okay, so when I saw Zach, the Jets scored on a 52-yard play, I thought with Zach Wilson, you know, I thought, you know, he lit it up. He threw a long pass. He took off on a run. You know, you would have been more optimistic on a pass because that deals more with the growth. And development but listen tampa bay you know i think they've gotten it got over that new orleans loss the way they beat carolina handily and now they got brown and evans coming back so the firepower for brady their defense if they get it all together and they're trending in the right direction for the playoffs you know to defend their title you know they should win they should cover the points you know i hate to say it with yeah. the Jets, but can the Jets really play him a close, close game? I don't think so. I, I'd take Tampa Bay with the points. 
Yeah, I, I got to take Tampa Bay um, with the points. And the reason is, is even in New York, is that Mike Evans is coming back. And I know they lost Fournette, but Ronald Jones was a really good mess. So they have all the things. And you always got to worry about Gronk. <laughs> you always got to. So I think the uh, Tampa will win and they'll cover. If I said Ronald Jones was the most underrated running back in the NFL, would I be wrong? No, I don't know. I don't know because he's a he's a pretty good dorm running yeah. back. Definitely up for discussion. And Pickles, as yeah. you see, is, is drinking early today. Uh, he's got the stretch <laughs> winning by four. Um, you know, hey, listen, the Jet Man inspires Pickles. As you see, he's picked yeah. the Eagles and the Jets, uh, two of our guests. And the Patriots, too, 28 nothing. So all the guests that have come on, Pickles has picked them to win. So good for Pickles. I'm happy about that. Um, lay off that uh, Irish coffee, Pickles. Anyway, <laughs> we have um, very interesting game here to me. I, I, I think this is going to be one of the biggest upsets of the year. You got Houston getting 12 and a half at San Francisco. Trey Lance may end up starting. And Houston has been kicking tail the last two games. I don't know what the heck's gotten in Houston. A new quarterback, a new attitude. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I mean, they're just they're just playing great football. I'm taking Houston easily with the points. I took them last year and they ended up blowing out the other team. They were they were underdogs by 12. I think Houston beat San Francisco, and I didn't have anything to drink yet. Well, you know, Houston did shock me the way they beat the Chargers. I remember I said the Chargers would win handily. And Houston did upset them. But don't – come on, Mac. You're getting carried away that Houston's the big surprise of the NFL. They won a few Huge. games. Huge. They haven't been the disaster that I thought they would be. But they're still not a good team. I mean – and, you know, the 49ers, you know what interests me about this game? They're trying to get Garoppolo back. They want Garoppolo to play. And normally when you draft a quarterback that high, you give away enough – two number one picks and additional capital to move up in the draft to get him. You look for an excuse to play Trey Lance. You look for an excuse. They could say, well, Garoppolo's not 100% we're going with Trey Lance. You look to turn the page because Trey Lance was their future, but the 49ers are trying to get Garoppolo ready still. What does that tell you about Trey Lance? Okay, you know, going forward. And if 49ers are just better, 49ers... You know, I think should win something like 31-10. They have a lot at stake, you know, playoff berth, you know, potentially at stake. And Houston is, you know, basically playing for pride. And the 49ers are just better. I know I said that with the Chargers. 31-10, let's call it. If Houston beats the 49ers, then I'll agree with you. They're a young team on the upswing. Uh, you're gonna have to give more than that, Jack. You're gonna have to like wear a shirt or something, or shave your head totally bald. Something you're gonna have to do. <laughs> let's, let's make it I, I just think you know, I like what the Texans are doing, and if they give uh, Cully enough time, they could be a really good team. And I've said that before. I think he's yeah. a good coach, but um, I think the 49ers are gonna win this game. I don't think they're gonna have an answer for Samuels. I think their defense was rounding out, and I just think the 49ers. But they're not gonna win. They'll be a six. It'd probably be a uh, six points or a seven at the most. I think it's going to be a tough game, even with Trey Lance. Well, Jim, let me, let me ask you. We both picked the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl for the NFC, right? We both said the 49ers got a yes. team that could be. Well, they don't. 
Yes. I mean, the, the quarterback uh, situation is all up in the air. Garoppolo has been hurt all year. He's got that bad thumb. And you got, mm-hmm. you got you got Trey Lance, who doesn't look that good yet. Maybe in the future he will, but right now he's not. And, I mean, San Francisco's defense is not as good as it was last couple of years, to be honest. So, mm-hmm. I mean – I don't, I don't, I don't find it far fetched that Houston could beat them. In fact, I don't think the 49ers are even going to go to the playoffs this year. I mean, they have a, they, they have a good shot. Ooh. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think the 49ers a, are going to slip in. I think they got an opportunity to slip in. They would be the last seed, but I wouldn't want to play the 49ers. No, I wouldn't want to play any team that gets in the playoffs. I just, yeah. I just don't. I don't think. Let me tell you, I don't think it's Garoppolo's fault. I don't think it's Lance's fault. I think it's a management and a coaching problem right now. They don't know mm. what they're doing. They're winning games. Yeah. They're winning games, yes. I mean, they still have a winning record, but they should be, to me, a lot better than what they are right now. And I agree, but they did have some injuries at uh, key positions, so I'm not giving them an excuse. They, But they found a way to win. Yeah. So I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay with it. I think the 49ers will win this game. Okay. All right. Denver at the Chargers. Denver's getting seven and a half. The Chargers got embarrassed by Houston last week. Listen, if the Chargers can't beat Denver with their all of their weapons and their defense, I know Denver's a solid team, but if the Chargers can't beat them by more than seven and a half. They don't belong in the playoffs either, Jeff. Well, uh, you know, the Broncos have a little firepower, you know, coming back with their running backs, Melvin Gordon, you know, and Javante Williams coming back. I don't know what to make out of this Charger team. I mean, are they ready to take the next step? Are they a year away, you know, from being a serious Super Bowl contender? We thought they might be one this year. And some people say Justin Herbert's taking a step backward. If he has, it's not a big deal. He was so great as a rookie. So if he took a gentle step backwards, he's still ahead of most of the quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, Denver's in nowhere's land now. I mean, they're technically they haven't been eliminated from the playoffs, but they're not they're not getting in. And the char- Chargers, I think, you know, at home win something like 27-10 pretty decisively. And Denver's going to have to resolve their quarterback issue because I don't think, you know, Bridgewater lock is the answer. So what are they going to be looking at? I could see Jim's favorite quarterback, Kirk Cousins, maybe winding up there next year. Uh, I like I like the Chargers this game. I think the Chargers are like you guys have mentioned is the Chargers are playing for something. Denver's not playing for anything with obviously with Bridgewater out and Locke running the uh, offense. Uh, it's been a struggle for them to get points. And uh, Fangio mentioned that yesterday. It's been terrible or not yesterday, last week, and they haven't been playing well. They're going to play hard, and it's going to be a close game, but I think the Chargers uh, pull it out. And Pickles is right. Drew Locke is a problem. Jim, tell me this. John Elway was, you know, Charger running the Broncos. You'd think he would be a quarterback guru, and we're not counting Peyton Manning, who he got. That's a no-brainer. But all the guys he has drafted from Locke to Brock Osweiler, you know, you know, everyone, Tim Tebow coming in actually was drafted on this watch. I mean, you'd think he'd do a better job of getting the right young quarterback who'd be a franchise quarterback. 
But John Elway's fallen on his face as far as, you know, uh, quarterbacks. But here's the thing you got to remember, Jack, and I think Max said this earlier in the show, is just because you were a great player doesn't mean you're going to be great, a great coach, a great in management. Uh, Elway was a tremendous. I played John since I've been a freshman in college. Obviously, you know, but it's hard. If you would have said Jack Elway, his dad, God rest his soul, then I would have said, yeah. But John, you know, he's trying to probably find a guy like him. And you find those guys rarely. They're, They're the number one pick and things like that. So it's hard. It's difficult to find that quarterback that fits your system. Well, and I'm Jim, not you talked, you, Jim, you talked about developing too. And, you know, I think a lot of quarterbacks, I'll, I'll throw Drew Locke in there. Drew Locke was very highly sodded when he came out. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the Giants had a chance of drafting Drew Locke instead of uh, Daniel Jones. I think he came out in the same class. So he's still a young guy. So what do you think it is? He, I, he played great in college. So is it is it him or is it the, the development of him over there? It could be. It could be who's around him, who's developing him, because that's big and crucial. And when you're picking these quarterbacks, they have to find the guys and they have to be in the systems that fit what they do. And that's what you have to do. You know, just because you can run fast or throw far doesn't work anymore. You have to find what does this guy do? How can we make him successful? Because there's only one quarterback on the field at a time. And the confidence level of these guys have got to help you um, uh, to to get to the next level. And that's what I like. I always speak about Norv Turner did with Troy Aikman. They had Shula and Troy struggle. But when they got uh, Norv Turner, Norv Turner found out what Aikman can do best and capitalized on him. And you find that with all these great quarterbacks, Tom Brady, obviously, and all these guys that have um, gone to another level, they – the quarterback coaches and so, and that's where guys like Josh McDaniel is so important, not as a head coach, but as a quarterback coach is so important. The relationships mean, like you mentioned, Mike Shula, he went to the Carolina Panthers as their offensive coordinator and Cam Newton wins the MVP and they go to the Super Bowl, and they had only one loss in the regular season. So mm-hmm. for Cam Newton, Mike Shula probably was very good for him. Yeah, yeah, it was. And it's just personalities and basically how they fit with the, what they want to do with that quarterback because it's different. It's totally different with different quarterbacks. You know, you know what I think? You imagine too, Lamar Jackson playing in a system different than what he's doing in the Ravens. He might struggle. You know, even a great quarterbacks have to be in the right system. Well, you know, I think, Jim, I, I think that that when you draft a quarterback as a GM and a coach, I think you have a certain thing in mind, right? A certain brand of football, and you want them to fit with that. And sometimes that don't work. Uh, when yes, we had an interview with, interview with Phil Sims, until Ron Earhart got a hold of him, said, listen, man, you got to change the way you, you read defenses and film study. you got to get yourself together because he was having problems with injuries and all that stuff over there and, and, and reading defenses. He says, this is what it takes for you to be a winner. And he, and, and he took Ron Earhart's advice. And then when he went on, Ron Earhart went to Pittsburgh, he changed the quarterback, the offense around there. I think there are certain coaches that can do that, that have the enough skill, enough knowledge, enough communication skills. They can go almost anywhere and help turn programs around. He's got to be a unique individual though. Bruce Arium, right? Yeah. 
Bruce Arian. I know he has Tom Brady now, but he's done it in Pittsburgh. He's done it in Indianapolis, and he's done it in Arizona. So you have, yeah. you make a good point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I think I think there's a lot to do because these kids got talent. They may mm-hmm. not some have different talent levels. I understand it. Exactly. To go to, to, go to the pros, you got to You got to have talent. And you know, yeah. I, I I hate it when I hear somebody. Oh, he's a bad quarterback. He's a lot better than than. 95% of the quarterbacks out there, he made it to the NFL. So, anyway. Yeah, and I, I agree with you 100%. It's just they have to have the right fit. It has to be – or you got to find out what they do well and develop your offense or the things on your offense have to fit what they do well. Because right. you can, every quarterback that comes in the league is not going to be quarterbacks that can win the whole thing for you. You might have to have people around them to do those things, receivers, running backs, offensive line. There are yeah. very few quarterbacks that can come in and just win. We always talk about it. There's only two or three quarterbacks that you would trust to win games. I, I almost have time to ask this now, Mac. If there isn't, then we'll move on. But the formations, the biggest problem quarterbacks have is pass protection in the NFL. It just seems the guys are constantly under duress. You know, back in the day, they'd have the halfback and fullback, and they'd be back there to block. There'd be protection. Now the way the formation is set up, the quarterback doesn't have that protection. Once they get by the offensive line in the beginning, there's no one to pick, you know, up a pass rusher. I mean, that's the way I see it. What what are the chances of them just going back to the old formations at times? Have the halfback and fullback there to block. And just have three receivers to throw to your two wide outs and your tight end. Well, some teams, some teams have that. Some teams, Tennessee, New England. I mean, they don't use a spread formation like they did before. But if you got a quarterback like a Aaron Rodgers or Brady that can get the ball out of his hands fast and make a quick read, you want to use that. In the beginning, yeah. Brady Brady had a fullback, running back, tight ends, you know, complete pass protection when he first started with the Patriots until he got good. So some teams still use it, Jack. It just depends on what you got, right, as, as talent around you and, and what the quarterback is, right, Jim? Yeah, but I think we talked about this earlier in the uh, season is that I think there's a transition back to what Jack is saying, the fullbacks, the tight ends. And the reason it is is because everybody got lighter. Everybody was worried about the uh, spread offenses. Well, they're seeing now, that you're bringing lighter uh, people in, so why not just get big and pound them a little bit? And you yeah. see, just like we said on defense, the teams that are playing well, Tennessee, they're big and, and physical up front. The more physical teams win, and we yeah. know that. And that's what happened with Indianapolis. And I just think the spread offense is, is, is it's a lot of gadget stuff. And when we get to the Cowboys in Arizona, I'll tell you the reason I think that. But Okay. All right, sounds good. Uh, so we got Detroit at Seattle. Detroit getting seven and a half. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think Detroit's played very well for their coach. I think Seattle has definitely taken a huge step back. Their personnel is nowhere as good as it used to be. But you got Russell Wilson there. And Seattle should beat them by more than seven and a half. No, a lot of people are saying this is going to be Russell Wilson's last game in Seattle. I'm not so sure. And, but it seems like Seattle, I don't want to say it's checked out because they barely got edged out by the Bears last week. But 
I, you know, I like the job Dan Campbell has done with the Lions. They compete every week. There's a difference between his type of losing team and a team like the Giants who've been non-competitive. The Lions are competitive every week. They're building something over there. I think they beat Seattle. I think they beat them like 24-14. And then the Russell Wilson rumors are all over the place. Will he be back at Seattle or not? But the bigger question is not so much as Russell, is Russell Wilson willing to come back to Seattle. Does the Seattle Seahawks organization want to move on from him? I think that's a bigger question. I think, um, and then I was reading an article in the paper today about Pete Carroll, too. They don't know if this is their last home game. Um, both of them. And Pete is 70 years old. And I know you guys, and he'll probably have another opportunity to coach if he wants to. But I'm I'm going to take Seattle. I think Seattle at home, if, if it was in um, Detroit, I would take Detroit. But Detroit has been effective at home. On the road, they've struggled a little bit. And I just think Detroit's going to, uh, excuse me, Seattle's going to win. You got Carolina getting six and a half against New Orleans. I don't know if Book is playing or not. I don't know if it matters. I'm just going to take Carolina with six and a half points, Jack. I'm going to tell you, if Book is playing, I mean, I'm going to take, North, uh, you know, I'll take uh, Missouri, Missouri State over. I mean, I hate to say it because if he looked it up, he, he looks like a very nice man, you know, very nice guy. And, you know, and if you want to give him a spot on the practice squad with the scout team, I, you know, I'm good with that. But, uh I'll have to go with Carolina, you know. Matt Rose come under a lot of criticism. They say his job might be on the line, you know. You think Sam Donald's a lightning rod at quarterback there. They're going to have to address their quarterback situation the next year. McCaffrey's coming back. You know, with J.C. Horn, that's, they, they drafted him Carolina cornerback number one in the draft because they needed help in the corner position. And I was shouting, take Micah Parsons, take Micah Parsons, please, you know. And imagine had they taken Micah Parsons. But, you know, getting back to the game, Carolina should win. If Book is in Carolina by 17, you know, 20, whatever. If he's not in Carolina, you know, close by, you know, five or seven points. Yeah, so good. Well, and I just, uh, the owner of... um the Carolina Panthers uh, put out a statement that he was embarrassed and mad that he gave Matt Rule such a seven-year, I think it was $42, $43 million. And he was upset over that. And I think he's kind of like saying, hey, Matt, and uh, Matt, you're not as safe as you think you are. And that's the thing. So I think that Carolina would love to win this game, but I'm going to go with New Orleans. I think yeah. um, uh, Taysom Hill is going to play today. He is playing today, so I think New Orleans is going to win the game. Guys, I you know what would be interesting? We've never had a coach trade in the NFL, to my knowledge. The Giants wanted to hire Matt Rule. He's the one that went to the Panthers. And I'm sure Joe Judge has less years on his contract left than Matt Rule. Can you imagine a trade at the end of the year? The Carolina owner just wants to get out from under the additional years. And the Giants probably and Dave Gittleman, the GM, still like Matt Rule as their guy. And they make that swap. Wouldn't that be wild? It's not crazy to do, actually. They trade players. Why not trade two coaches? 
Well, I don't think they traded two coaches, but I think um, for the Raiders to get Gruden, it was in a trade, if I'm correct on that one. And, you know, they had to give up some draft picks or something like that, too. Yes, uh, to get yeah, I think so. So, anyway. so we got uh, Arizona plus six at Dallas. Um, listen, Dallas is running on all cylinders right now. They whooped up on Washington. They made them look terrible. The Cardinals have been falling and falling and falling and I, I guess Dallas should win this no problem, Jeff. Uh, I can't believe Arizona's going to go down timidly. They've really been slumping. I look for a strong effort. And this is where they're going to miss DeAndre Hopkins because I think it's actually going to be a high-scoring game. And I'm, I'll pick the Cowboys to win in overtime. He scored a touchdown in overtime. I'll, you know, be a little bold over there. But, uh you know, this is it. Let's see how serious a Super Bowl contender the Cowboys are. If you slip up against Arizona, especially at home, then you don't have the look of a Super Bowl contender. You know, so I, I got to go to the Cowboys. Wow. Wow. Very close, <laughs> tough game. Wow. Yeah. Now, here's something that's an interesting uh, fact that you guys don't know, obviously, is that Kyler Murray's never lost in AT&T Stadium. Did you know that? He's never lost an AT&T Stadium. But there was something that happened in uh, June of this year. They were asking him about the Cowboys, and he basically disbarred just said, hey, they're terrible, and we don't even think about the Cowboys. And that got out. It was a video of it. And I'm sure that's bulletin board. And you're going to take it. I will guarantee you the Cowboys will win this game. And they will get after Murray. Murray is going to get hit because they starting to they have that rotation of that defensive line, and Mark Micah Parsons might be the only guy that can run with Kyler Murray, and they're going to get after him. I'm going to go with the Cowboys, and I'm going to go. They'll win by shoot, uh, ten or fourteen points. They're going to get after the car because the Cardinals they run a gadget offense. They run a gadget offense. And I just think with the struggles, but with um, their defense, that's where the big struggles have been with their defense. And I think that's going to have a big day. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's spoken like a true Dallas Cowboy. How important is bulletin board material anyway? Is that overrated or not? It's not overrated on certain teams. When you have struggled, the uh, Cardinals are 6-1 and one against the Cowboys in the last couple of years. And um, it's not because this is where, just like you said, Jack, you made a great point. If they feel they're a Super Bowl contender, they better win today. They better. I, win today. I, I, I don't agree with that. If they lose to the Cardinals, they're just still a Super Bowl contender, Jeff. I don't, have, I don't think so. People have bumps in the road. I mean, we're putting a lot of emphasis on this one game. If the Cardinals but beat this by is three, oh, I to you is personal. I know, but listen, <laughs> I, listen, listen. I see, I see teams get whooped. Two games before the playoffs, and everybody's like, "Oh, they're out of it. They win the Super Bowl." I mean, I mean, I understand. You guys shouldn't beat the Cardinals. You should, yeah. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen. We'll see. Yeah. I'm definitely taking the Cowboys. So, um, Minnesota plus twelve and a half at Green Bay without the All Star quarterback who is in COVID recall as we speak. <laughs> so, uh, it, I was taking Green Bay anyway. I'm definitely taking Green Bay now. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, Green Bay. Uh... They should score their share points. Aaron Rodgers, I'm a little concerned about his toe. But, you know, Mac, I'm vindicated over you. Aaron Rodgers looks like he's trending towards 
his second consecutive MVP award. You know, and what a good story oh, wow. that's going to be. Oh, wow. Win the, win the Packers, 30, Packers 30, Minnesota 21 to whatever. You know, maybe, you know, I don't know. Because Kirk Cousins definitely 100% out. Yeah, he's out. He's on COVID. He's out. Okay, so Packers, Packers handling. All right, okay. What do you think, Jim? This is no question. The Packers gonna get after Minnesota. They're gonna make this ugly for Minnesota. I think um, there's some serious talk probably in Minnesota what they're gonna do with Mike Zimmer because I think this is his eighth season there, and I like Mike. I've worked with Mike, and he's a good person. He's a good coach. This is, um, yeah, but this is uh, a struggle right now, and um, I think that. Green Bay and the way Rodgers and Devontae Adams, I mean, they are close and they play good together. And I just think the Packers are going to get after them. Let me tell you something. If Zimmer gets released, he will be scooped up right away. He's taking, a, yeah. he's taking the Vikings to the championship. He's a good coach. There's no yeah, no, nobody's questioning his coaching. Oh, it's yeah. just for whatever reason, sometimes you get tired of your players and your players sure. get tired of you. And, and he's an old Parcells guy, and he's you know you yeah. know well he's, he's really old, not a Parcells. He's guy. old Jimmy Johnson guy. I mean, Jimmy you know, Johnson, Dave Campbell, yeah. and, and and Parcells had a part in it too. I mean, yeah, he's old yeah, school, very short, sure, very yeah. And he's an old school coach. I mean, it's, yeah. it's sometimes it's hard for them. You know, you know, forgive Jim. He can't think of Parcells as a cowboy, even though yeah. he's there for four years. He just I work for him, Jack. Yes, yeah, but, but yeah. His, you think of him as a giant, then yeah. a jet, then and then a, maybe uh, in New England, then Dallas comes. He's up a Jersey here. guy, though. He's a Jersey. Yeah. Guy. yeah. Cleveland minus three and a half at Pittsburgh. Very interesting here too, guys, because this is always going to be a good game. And I don't care how, how good the running game is in Cleveland. I don't care if Baker throws five interceptions. I don't care if it's the last year for yeah. Big Ben. I just don't care. It's going to be a very close game. I'm taking any points I can get. So I'm taking Pittsburgh plus three and a half. Now I pick Cleveland to go to the Super Bowl. The ship oh, is sinking, sinking. They need That's some help. I'm going to hang on to them that they're going to win their last two games. Yes. I mean, sentimental reasons. Big Ben has indicated this is going to be his last game at Heinz Field. So it's going to be pretty emotional. But this is the NFL, as Jim could tell. You could throw the emotion out the window at times when it comes to execution. You know, like that. And uh, I think Cleveland wins the game. I, you know, they've come under a lot of ridicule. They're still playing hard. They should have beaten the Packers. Bad call at sure. the end of the game. They had to go with their third spring quarterback against the Ravens. You know, they've had bad, bad luck. I think they'd get it done against Pittsburgh. Maybe. What do you think, Jim? The unfortunate thing in the NFL, you can't go quietly in the night. And Big Ben won't go quietly, but he's not going to win this game. I think Cleveland has too much talent. And then, just like Jack said, they should have beat Green Bay. They got a bad call at the end, and that happens. That's the yeah. part of the plan. But uh, should have, could have, would have. But there's no question they're going to get after him this week. Cleveland will win. Pittsburgh, uh, Pickles will be Pittsburgh by nine. I tell you he's been drinking oh. today. But, you know. Yeah. Listen, me and the pickles are going to have a couple of drinks after the show's over. So <laughs> we've got we've got our lock pick coming up, guys. The, the pick that you think this team is absolutely we did real good on our locks last week. Well, two of us did. Absolutely. What was, what was my lock? Listen, Jim. We did good. 
the okay. the uh, the uh, the um, the lock, the team that you think definitely is going to win today. What do you think, Jack? I'm, I'll say mine for the last. Cause I'm, I'm going to, you know, Jim talks about giving all these points away, and I, I'm I'm stuck between Buffalo actually and New England. Uh, you know, I'm giving the points, but if I have to pick one or the other, I'm going to go yeah. with Buffalo giving the 14 and a half points to Atlanta because I think Buffalo has peaked. They've absolutely pe- I mean, they're peaking now. And I don't think it's going to be a close game. I think at Buffalo, it's going to be party time at Buffalo today. They're going to light it up and win really big. What do you think, Jim? I'm going to get my lock pick as the Cowboys over the Cardinals. I think the Cowboys are going to get after them and just not being personal. I just think watching the Arizona over the couple of weeks, I think Kyler Murray got ahead of himself. You know, he thinks that he's up there and everybody's talking about he possibly an MVP, but he's still Kyler Murray in the NFL. This is not college. This is where the big dogs go in Rome. And now he's going to find out it's a little bit different when you're in NFL as opposed to college. Jim's still, Jim's still worried about that video. Jim, calm down, Jim. The Oakland Athletics will still take Kyler Murray back. They drafted him. No, I did send it to a couple of my buddies on Thank the staff and let them know. Thank you, Jack, for, for, for wasting about 10 minutes talking about the, the A's. Listen, my, my lock is the Eagles – Given Washington four and a half points. There's no reason the Eagles can't beat them by more than six points, or they should even be in the conversation. So, guys, we do this every week, right? And so get ready because there's a lot of underdogs to pick from this yeah, week. There's no need to fear. Underdog is here. The greatest cartoon ever made, folks. We're here with our power pills right now. Going to pick our underdogs. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to stay on Houston's bandwagon. Getting 12 and a half against San Francisco, who doesn't know who their quarterback is. That's kind of confusing management. And Houston, Texas. Just whip the Chargers like they were their little brother. I'm taking Houston plus the 12 and a half against San Francisco. You know, Seattle's favored by seven over Detroit, right? Seven and a half, Joe. I'm take right. Detroit. I think they're going to win the game outright, and I hope they win it outright because the Jets have Seattle's number one draft pick in the Jamal Adams yeah, deal. So I see you. I see you. That's a for the Jets there, so it's personal to me. Lions okay. win the game outright. Wow. Wow. I'm going to have to go with uh, Mac with Houston and uh, San Francisco. I think Trey Lance will start today, and it'll be a close game. I think San Francisco will win, but the underdog, and they're going to cover. Texans are going to cover. I think so, too. So I think the two good picks. I mean, you know, the Lions do have a chance, but we'll see Mm -hmm. what happens. I don't know if they'll win or not, but they have a chance. Folks, thanks for joining us for the big football show Monday night. Jack will be on with his boxing partner Frank Lotierzo on Glove Fist, 7 p.m. Eastern. Great show. It's on YouTube. Tune it in. Now, Jack is the first show, right? On Ruka. No, no. Let's Talk Sports is the first one. 7.30 tomorrow, folks. We go to Roku TV. 
Uh, if you have a Roku TV, I got to do search for the channel under sports or NESSP Northeast Streaming Sports. If you don't have a Roku TV, free to download the app to any device, your computer, your phone, whatever, and check out Northeast Streaming Sports where you'll see this show and about 13 other great shows that come on. As I was saying, Jim Jeffcoat has a show Wednesday night, JMB Talking Shop nice. with Byron Williams, 8 p.m. Central. That will also be on Roku. And me and Jack will be back Thursday, 8 to 10 a.m to continue our ongoing saga of the Mac and Jack sports show guys have a great day and I hope your team wins.